The following audio is from Resurrection Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about the church or if you would like to know more about when our community meets, please visit our website at resurrectionchat.org. If you're ever in the Chattanooga area, we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 a.m. We're located at 1800 Rossville Avenue in the south side of Chattanooga. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We're very thankful for all of you to be here, uh, especially given the time and the season that we're in, and uh, just be remembering to uh, be praying for not only our city, but our, our nation. Um, also, uh, there's going to be a little pitter-patter of feet, and there's going to be running back and forth, and going to be some noise in that corner, but Jesus said, let the children come to me, and so it's all right. We're all going to be in this together. Um, how would you pray with me, and then we'll, we'll get into this. Uh, Heavenly Father, I let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, who is our rock and redeemer. Let our, our thoughts and our hearts and our motivations and uh, um, everything that we have be subject um, to your word this morning, be subject to your Holy Spirit, and help us, uh, help us to, to hear not just uh, with our ears, the words are coming, but to hear in our hearts uh, what the Holy Spirit is trying to say. And uh, I pray that you just bless and anoint our time together as we uh, look at your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The stores are beginning to fill up, friends, with um, Christmas. It's beginning to reflect the Christmas season. Things are going on around. We're hearing on if you, if you still listen to the radio, uh, you're hearing songs of being played. If uh, you know you, it's you hear the sounds, you see the sights. Our neighborhoods are starting to um, our homes. I feel like we're in a little competition with some of the houses. We're all kind of new to the to to our street, and so every time somebody puts out something else, Aaron's like, "They put up more, and it's just it's so much more pretty than ours." And I'm like, "Oh, here we go again," you know. <laughs> And I'm like, I got to go get more <laughs> lights or something. And I came back to her and I was like, sweetheart, every single light that we own is outside. And none of it makes any sense. It's just, it's all out there. So it's lit up like a Christmas tree, literally. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, this, it's this time when, uh, you know, people are coming together and they're, they're, whether they, you know, think about Jesus coming into the world or Santa Claus coming to town, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, we're, it's, the season is here, and I think a lot of people kind of think about it, talk about it, about Christmas approaching it in kind of a two, two-fold way. Um, some people are just Christmas people. I married a Christmas person. Uh, she, at, during like October, she's just like, can we get up the stuff? You know, and I'm like, and she's like, I want inflatables, I want things to move. And I mean, it's just, she's, she's a Christmas person. A lot of you might be Christmas people. It's just this idea that we, there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of traditions and it's just, just a love for the season. You just can't wait for it to get here. You know, but also there's this sort of shadow side of Advent. There's this shadow side of, of Christmas that people also talk about as well, or people at least feel, because Christmas, Advent season, has this, uh, this, this way to make everything around you intensify. 
It's like taking a microscope and putting it on your life. And so sometimes you're, you're able to just see the joy and the beauty. Other times you, you kind of, that, that microscope kind of hones in and focuses in and intensifies very much the, the I love the city. It's great. It doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> I don't know why he keeps laying on his horn like that, but that's fine. Um, uh, and I think, you know, that, that Christmas is, uh, it, you know, it, it can bring a lot of conflict. It can bring a lot of busyness, maybe not this year. I think that, that Christmas, even though this Advent season is inherently a joyful time because it's good news for those that need to hear good news. But Christmas time is very intense. It, uh, it magnifies everything. And we can see areas in our life that are more, more clearly during this season. And when you talk about good relationships with you have with friends and, and family, it makes Christmas all the more joyful and beautiful. But there are also other things in our life, relationships that have conflict and, or that are broken in some way or facet or relationships that are gone. And then we just feel that intensely. Maybe as Christmas comes, we're excited about a community that we're a part of. Maybe some of you are excited about being a part of this church, or you're excited about your neighborhood and some of the things that your neighborhood does throughout Christmas. Our neighborhood is, has all these traditions, and they put out these little paper lanterns all throughout the entire neighborhood, and it's, it's a really a lot of fun. You get to meet with people that you don't normally talk to, and it feels like people are a little bit more generous and a little bit more compassionate. And, in, in, but see, this Advent Christmas season is a time that is just intense. If we believe this is all true, when it comes to church, the joyful stuff, friends, is not really hard to talk about, right? The joyful stuff is just easy. You can, you can talk about the good things, but it might not be the stuff that we don't want to talk about is the stuff that we really need to. Because the things that are more dark, the things that are more painful, the things that are more difficult, the things that cause suffering and cause us to question are the things that need resolution in our life. Those are the things that Jesus came to resolve or to restore or to redeem. But sometimes we don't like talking about those things. It is the hard things, the difficult things that we need to talk about in order to find resolution, in order to find commonplace and restoration and joy, but it's often hard to talk about these things. These things that bring doubt, these things that are really difficult, that cause us to question things like, does God really care? Does God really exist? Is, is the pain and the suffering that I'm feeling, the difficulty and the loss, the anxiety, the depression, whatever it might be, is that a part of God's plan? Is that a part of this whole thing? You know, we don't sit in bed at night just thinking like, oh my gosh, why is God so generous? Or why is God so full of compassion and love? I just don't understand it. He's so full of grace and mercy. I don't, I don't get it. It's not those things that we lay in bed, the joyful, beautiful, hopeful things that we lay in bed thinking about, but cause us to doubt. It's, 
It's the things that happen in our life, the painful, difficult things that cause us to go, God, is this really the plan? Like, are you present? Are you near? Am I your beloved child? Do you really love me? Because this doesn't feel that way. It's those things that, that cause us to, to wonder and to, to muse and even at moments just feel like it would be easier just to reject and move on. Has anybody ever said, God, is this, did you cause this? Is this a part of the plan? Like if we're just honest with ourselves, those things that feel like they just blindside us or hit us right in the gut, those things that bring us to our knees, the things that you and I really at times don't really want to talk about it, reflect on those things. Have you ever sat back and just been like, what is all this about? Undeserved suffering, difficulty, pain, struggle. Like, really? This person was not supposed to leave me. This community was not supposed to betray me. The way that my life seems to be, be coming together is not the way that I feel like God reflects who you are. You're generous, loving, good, kind, full of compassion. You cut me like, what? Maybe I'm just the only one in the room. Why are we talking about this during this Advent season, the time that we should be reflecting and thinking about the beauty? Well, because we, ask, we have to ask ourselves, why did God enter the world? Why are we talking about evil and darkness and pain and suffering in our lives and in our world right now? Well, I hope by doing this is to, that we will become and that we will see just a, a clearer picture as we look at the Christmas story, as we look at something that's very familiar, but I want to take a little bit of twist on it. I think it, it just, it's going to help us understand some of the chaos and some of the suffering and some of the pain, maybe not in this sort of resolute, cognitive, I got it all together, I get, I get why there's these, these things happening in my life, but I think that we can look at this story, we can look at this passage to help us to see that, that, that God is in the midst of it, that God has come to oppose this darkness and this this evil, and then God ultimately becomes it. But if you have your Bibles, um, your fake Bible on your phone, you can look at the screen. We can, uh, we can, uh, we're going to look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Very familiar passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. 
He was not the light, but he, be, he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was, the, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he, uh, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Beloved friends, this is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If we went around the room and we were just really honest with, with one another, this, this room is full of heartbreaking stories. It's full of it. It's full of stories about losing loved ones, relationships being broken. It's, 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 we'll hear stories of deep-seated depression or stories of family members leaving or loss of investments or loss of homes, stories of poverty, stories of sickness, stories about life just being hard and difficult and what times feels just very unfair. If we went around the room, we would hear those stories. We'd hear stories about betrayal and lies and assault, physical, sexual, verbal. We would go around and we could hear those stories. Stories that cause suffering and, and heartbreak. Stories of people that were treated in ways that they should have never been treated, that Stories of undeserved suffering. Stories of evil coming upon and uh, afflicting people. You have seen darkness and evil in your life, in your family and communities around you, in moments that bring you to your knees saying, this is not the way it is supposed to be. This is wrong. This isn't fair. This was not the time or the moment. This is not what we planned. This is not what we talked about. I, this is not it. Why am I talking about this right now? One of the reasons is, number one, is I believe that the community of Jesus, a church like ours, like this, should be a place where these stories can be told. It should be a place where we can talk about these deep-seated places in our life that are difficult and hard and ugly and scary that cause anxiety and trauma and panic. This should be a place, a community, where they can be told. Where we can bring into the church stories of heartache and undeserved suffering and injustice a church should be, will be, this church will be a place where you can tell those stories, not necessarily here right now in the way that I'm trying to do it, but in moments like when our life groups come back together or our community groups or places when we like, or just in simple one-on-one -on -one conversations where you're, you're having coffee with a friend or you're having coffee with somebody that hope one day will be a friend. These are the places 
that we should be able to talk about those stories. This place. When you get a coffee with somebody, you should be able to talk about it. And it shouldn't be some sort of like, oh, I didn't know. Oh my goodness, wow. I thought you had it all together. Because all of us know this. All of us know that there are places, I mean, in shadowy like places in our life that we don't want to we don't want people to see it was the sin of our first parents they knew they were naked in the shame they knew they sinned so they covered themselves and they hid in the darkness that's the first thing that god did come to me come out come out here Not only, not only does our church need to be a community that these stories can be told so that we can bear one another's burdens and love one another through them, but we, we also are a place that can offer real hope. Real hope. That things can be restored, that resolution can happen, that restoration can take place. Maybe not all at once, maybe as life goes on and we step by step walk with Jesus. Because if the gospel doesn't matter in the darkest places and seasons of our lives, then it doesn't matter at all. It just doesn't matter at all then. If it can't touch the darkest, most awful things in our life, then it just doesn't matter. Because it's not just the beauty and the joy and the, the loveliness that everyone in this room has that the gospel needs to shine on. We don't need to hide that. We don't need to, you know, like mask ourselves to the things that we know were beautiful and good about us. It's those places that we don't like to talk about that maybe we've never shared with our spouse or maybe never even talked to with our psychologist. Those are the places that the gospel matters the most. Those are the places that Jesus entered into stormy, sinful humanity to become the light. I think we need to be a community where these stories can be told and the other, I think, when the other reason that we're talking about this is because when wrong, difficult, dark, evil things happen to us, I don't know about you, but my mind goes to God with why? Why didn't my mom do what she did? Why is, do I feel the, the, the things that I feel, even? I wake up in the morning, why at moments does it feel like there's just a weight on my chest? Why? Is this a part of the plan? Is this what you wanted? That comes to my mind, and I know without you admitting it, it comes to yours. Why does God allow horrible things to happen? Why does this happen? Why there are riots and pain and suffering, global pandemic, natural disasters, forest fires? Is this a part of your plan, God? Is this your will? The way that we answer these questions is, is going to form and shape how we live and who we are. So they're very important. Very important. I think that we can begin to address it, you know, sort of in sort of three ways that I've already kind of mentioned that 
Jesus is in the midst of our suffering, that He opposes our suffering, and that He becomes our suffering. He takes it on. Jesus is in it. If we went around this room and we started compiling a list of stories and histories and things that have happened, we could put together a list of some very difficult things that would be hard to hear this story. It would be hard to hear it. And so I've, it would be stories of, of racial injustice, maybe stories of abuse of children, corruption in government, divorce, unplanned pregnancies, or even fertility, family strife, loneliness, ultimately death. All of these things that I believe if we just had a conversation would all, would all come to the surface. Why, why am I doing this? Just to make us all depressed? No, there's a reason. Every one of these things that I just named, racial injustice, child abuse, corruption in government, all of these things that I just named are in the Christmas story. I know we think about the Christmas story and shepherds and mangers and kings and wise men and gold, frankincense and myrrh and angels and, and, and these sorts of things, but everything that I just named is a part and in inherently in the Christian story. I think that's important for us to think about. Infertility, Luke chapter 1, verse 7. There was a family that has been wanting for generations and generations, decades and decades and decades to have a child, not can't, can't. Unplanned pregnancy, Luke chapter 1, verse 34. Poverty, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. The holy family is homeless. Corrupt leader, Matthew chapter 2, verses 3. Family fleeing death, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Abuse and murder of children, Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. It is filled, the Christmas story is filled with all of the awful things that we don't like to talk about. All of them. And this is what God does. He takes His Son and puts Him right in the middle of it. He takes His Son and he places him in the middle of genocide, in the middle of abuse, in the middle of corrupt government, in the, in the middle of racial tension, in the middle of poverty, in the middle of his parents being on the run, in the middle of almost a divorce because Joseph had to be told by an angel a couple of times, don't leave your wife. All of these things, God takes his son, places him right in the middle right in the middle. The Christmas story is filled. Does suffering matter to God? Yes, it does. Because He takes His Son and puts Him in the middle of suffering. Where did He place His Son? Right in the middle. How can all, an all-good God allow this? Now this Friends, is an absolutely difficult question that I don't even know if I'm, I, you know, in fact, I don't, I don't know completely how to answer. But this is a very serious question. And we can begin to, to understand a little bit of this by at least being able to admit that Christianity doesn't avoid it. 
Christianity doesn't try to just push it to the side and not look at it and just say, if you come to Jesus, everything's going to be great. It's going to be beautiful. Everything's going to work out for your good. It's just going to be, you know, it's going to be the American dream, but, you know, God's going to bless it. Everything's going to be fine. It doesn't at least avoid it because he takes his son and places him right in the middle. Jesus is involved in it. Where you can find Jesus is on the fringes of society with sick people, with people that are sinners, with people that are corrupt, with prostitutes. He is with them. He doesn't run from them. He doesn't act like they're not there. He, does, he, does, he takes his power, love, and grace and goes right in the middle of it. Right in the middle. You will find him in our suffering. He's present. He's there. He's walking with us in it. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. He walks with it. He is in the midst of it. Not often do we look for Jesus in the middle of the suffering, but that is the place that we should look for him the most. That's where he is. He is where nobody else wants to be. He is where nobody else wants to be. That's where he is. But if you were like me, you still would say, okay, he's in the middle of suffering, but is it still God's plan for all of this to work this way? Which comes to the other point is God opposes the darkness. If you look in Matthew and Luke, there's these traditional Christmas stories of you know, the wise men and, and you know, Jesus' birth and you know, the, the running from Herod and all of the things that we understand and know about the Christmas story. But Matthew, I mean, but John and Mark, they, they begin with Jesus' entrance into the world, which is a Christian story, but they all kind of, they kind of take a different, uh, a different part. Mark begins with his baptism, and John, his is so much older than all of it. John is interesting. His, his story starts... At the very beginning, it, it sounds a lot like if you're a student of the Bible, it sounds a lot like Genesis. It's, it's God at the beginning. And what does God do at the very beginning? Any, any sort of novel that you read or film that you watch or any of those things, usually the, the character, the first thing that you see about them is the character, like it's, it's the most important part of that person. The most important thing, the first attribute that you see. And this is true in the scriptures. The first attribute that we learn about God is he is the one that brings light. He brings light. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and in the life, the light of man. Here it is, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The first attribute that we see about God is when he comes into our world is he opposes the darkness with his light. He poses the suffering and the pain and the struggle. He poses it. Jesus came to overcome the darkness. God brings light. 
heartbreak, pain. John is talking about Jesus bringing light to those things. This light opposes those things in our life. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world, John said. God brings light. It doesn't mean that it takes care of it all at once. It doesn't mean that light comes and everything is great. What it means is that God comes and as we dwell and as we abide, His light shines in us which opposes the darkness. Verse 10 says, and he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him, and he came to his own, and his own didn't receive him. It would be an absolute travesty, the biggest mistake of every person in this room, if the true light of Jesus, if he is the true light, we would drop everything to come into that light. But people here and people still to this day don't receive it. Just don't receive it. Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, when he saw somebody sick, he healed them. When he saw attention, he addressed it. He went into the places that we didn't want and he opposed it. He didn't look at anybody and say, oh, by the way, I know you're suffering, but it's going to teach you a really good lesson along the way. He opposed it immediately. Not only does Jesus come and live in the midst of it, not only does he oppose it, the scripture reminds us that he becomes suffering. He becomes it. I think about these stories and my story and your story. And I've sat with many of you and I've heard these stories. I've heard the stories of heartache and I've heard the stories of difficulty and pain and suffering. And one of the things that when I'm talking to people in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking not about the Christmas story, but about the cross. That Jesus was oppressed, that Jesus was abused, that Jesus was misunderstood. And all of the pain and the suffering he took on himself. He became it. And we see this on the cross the same way that you and I feel at times where his arms are outstretched. He's looking to his father and he said, Why have you forsaken me? I think one of the most beautiful things about this, this the Christian life, about walking with Jesus is that he understands our suffering because he became it. I don't think we have to hide questions of struggle and difficulty that we have. I don't, I don't, God knows it already. He understands. What a beautiful thing to be able to come to somebody that just doesn't, doesn't try to get it, but never been there. He's been there. He's felt the angst and the depression and the anxiety. He's felt the betrayal and the loss. His own father saying, why have you forsaken? He's felt it all. And we don't need to not receive that beautiful gift. We need to allow him to shine and shine his light in our lives. 
And by doing that, friends, I truly think as we're moving through this in the next three weeks, that as we begin to look at what makes the promise of Christmas, of the Advent season so beautiful, is that there is real darkness. There is real pain. There is real struggle. And Jesus comes into it with the promise of good news. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. <laughs> we thank you that you sent your Son as a, as a weak, dependent child. He came into the world vulnerable. He came into the world trusting other people. And He came into the world to dispel the darkness so that the whole world can receive the light that is He. Be with us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.